0: The, the windows for bears to act in are very, very short. And uh, the liquidity keeps flowing in terms of deficits, in terms of PTFP, nothing of the sort has changed. So show me that's something that breaks like chunk, and we can talk bear, but it, it hasn't broken. Welcome to Wealthion.
1: I'm Wealthion founder, Adam Taggart. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with macro analyst Sven Henrik. If you haven't yet watched part one of this discussion with Sven, in which he explains why technical analysis suggests the markets may have a lot further still to run higher this year, head over to our channel at youtube.com slash and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment themes we discuss in this video. Okay, let's get started watching part two of our interview
0: with Sven Henrik purely technically speaking i have a hard time making a bear case at this particular juncture i can i can make a corrective case um that leads for a pullback in september october maybe with a volatility spike you know if the vix goes above that monthly trend line that i mentioned uh, uh stays above it yeah then then things could change very quickly you know but it hasn't happened and the technical position of this was was very impressive and then I want to throw in one final point here. And this has nothing to do with technicals, has nothing to do with macro. It's kind of a human factor. Because we do have a presidential election next year, you know the names that have been with us for years. Yellen and Powell. Jay and Janet. Janet Yellen is 77 now. Jay Powell is 70 now. They've both hung their necks out on this soft landing. Trump, whether he's going to run again or be nominated again or elect again, I don't know. I have no clue. Um, but he's been publicly saying he's not going to renominate Powell. Right. right. May mean nothing, but it's it's kind of a signal out there. I I, I can't look in the head of Jay Powell. I don't know how much longer he wants to do this. Janet tried to get out a couple of times, but I think she was pulled back in. And I think she's committed until the election in November. If Biden gets reelected, I don't think she stays. I think she's retiring. And the reason I mentioned that is both have a vested interest in going out on top, preserving their legacy, if you will. And this is completely speculative on my part, but I, I can just see it that they don't want a recession, they don't they want to avoid it like the plague, and they will do whatever they need to do to avoid that from happening. I mean, if if that's the business you've been in for decades, you know that's the legacy you want. you know you you created a soft landing by now back to collecting speaking engagement fees. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, we saw this in in October when Janet Yellen was concerned with liquidity in the Treasury market. We saw it in March when she was concerned about the banks, and each, every single time these were major market pivots. Uh, so I I suspect that you know they they will do their dearest to avoid any major market hiccups. In fact. The one factor that all of us should be aware of as well, which makes this entire cycle so unusual. The US government is spending money like we've never seen before during a non-recessionary environment. Or non war time environment. Yeah. Eight and eight and a half percent of GDP deficits. There are only a couple of periods where we've seen anything like it. one was the global financial crisis i think it was like nine and a half percent now the other one was of course COVID when they threw the kitchen sink at things. Mm-hmm. during the recession in 2000 2003 it was around four four and a half percent deficit spending right and this, sorry to interrupt um, but,
1: but, but i've shown a chart recently that shows not only is the percentage abnormally high but it's never been this high with unemployment this low yeah it's 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 absolutely stunning
0: it, it's crisis and level spending when we have a robust economy <laughs> and typically when you have this type of spending when you are in a recession guess what markets do right they go up they rally yeah they rally
1: um and so- to your point about human human elements some people think that this is engineering for stability through the november election of next year
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, you, you, look whether you know it doesn't matter which party you're in favor of any party that's in in charge does not want to have a recession during an election year ironically that has happened a couple of times right it happened in Mm -hmm. 2000 and it happened in 2008 and guess what everybody was out if you're in a recession during an election year you're out goodbye Right? so they, they all have an incentive what yeah whether they succeed or not that's a completely different question they certainly didn't succeed in 2000 they didn't succeed in in 2008. Um, so my and, and by the way speaking of seasonality chart again, the first quarter in a presidential election year is typically quite shaky uh so you you may see that big year-end run and then some sort of correction again at the beginning of the year. Uh, and And then they typically run, you know unless you are in a recession, right? And so that then that's what it then comes down to this whole runway discussion, you know, uh, given all the factors we mentioned at the outset, you know if you do have a year, year and a half, this this can this can drag on into 25 and then the recession hits, right? So in many of these cases, you just simply have new all-time highs first before something burns down. Yeah, that that's that was the message from the one-year yield, right? That was the message that we saw with these NIMO, August NIMO readings. That's what we saw with these big crashes that never even produced down years, i 1987 and so forth. Um, so there's there's a lot of history to to consider. And then I guess my final point on this is just to say again, you know, observing all these mega rallies. And these tiny windows that bears have to play—it's—it's it's kind of an eye opener, and it's been like this for for many years, you know. So, all right. I guess my, um, my, base, my base premise on all this is, and I hate to say it, you know, probably gonna get creamed for this on 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 Twitter or on YouTube. <laughs> why? Why the tip? You know, what, whatever you tip, <laughs> you get. <laughs> you know yeah but that's I, that's but, what the technical say at this point that's what the history says you know you 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 know something needs to break i haven't seen anything break okay well that's a really
1: good segment and, and before segue before we we make it first i just want to say thank you for putting all this uh all this material together and for you know kind of issuing this cautionary warning to folks which is like it or not this just is what's happening Right, and so you're we're trying to prevent people from getting steamrolled by the market because they're clinging too tightly to an ideology, right? So th- thank you, because I know you're you're putting your personal brand at, at risk a bit here, at least of of taking some slings and arrows of folks that have followed you for a good while by saying you got to respect the bull trend whether you like it or not, right? So well, no, look, of, I mean,
0: yeah? let me just interject to you briefly and say, look, this is all, and this is. Part of what I love about markets, it's a constant educational journey that challenges all of us, and we've all been guilty of this, myself in, in included. You know, you 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 think, you know, if, what's what's the old George George Carlin line? You know, if you scratch a cynic, you find a disillusioned disillusioned idealist, because we all have kind of a sense of what should be. You know, Mm -hmm. what's fair, what's right, you know, valuations, wealth inequality, this, that, and the other. But let's face it, folks, and this is this is part of my major macro bear view: is this system is completely screwed without massive debt financing. And it's gotten so bad that we are now in that place where they have to spend eight percent plus. Deficits vis-a-vis GDP just to keep things afloat, and the outlook, which is their rose-colored view, in my point, my estimation, is you know fifty trillion dollars debt. What by twenty thirty-two, um, they have no choice. And this is this is before recession. Guess how much they're going to spend when there actually is a recession? recession. It, it 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 it's insane. So. Th- you know, they they never allowed the real cleansing of the system. Last year, I called uh, we talked about this controlled demolition, if if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you we know, we never got rid of the post COVID excess. The amount of pain it would take to get a real proper cleansing in 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 the system, I don't think anyone is prepared for. They certainly aren't, and they certainly aren't to take that pain during the presidential election. So you know, and it's not only the U.S. it's, it's everywhere, it's and that's everywhere. why the it's everywhere. And and you know, like in the U.K. today, we saw the city of Birmingham all of a sudden basically declaring in effect bankruptcy because they can't handle their bills anymore. You know, the message is all these high rates that we currently have to cope with inflation; they're not going to stay that high. You know, there is as, as soon as they have an opportunity to actually take them down, they will have to take them down. There's 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 no question about it. You know whether it takes a trigger or not. That's all right. So
1: you're 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 leapfrogging into
0: where I want to eventually
1: go here, which is all great. Which the end is sort of a systemic integrity question, which I I want to dig into that before we're done. Um, On the way there, though, let me let me make the first segue though, which is so right now we have a a market that's really being driven by TA, right, Um, where where the 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 macro just hasn't really seemed to matter, right. You've mentioned the term lag effect a couple of times. Um, it's something I've been repeating ad nauseum, I'm sure, for my regular viewers here on this channel to keep in mind. Um, is there is there a point at which the lag effect with a macro may actually achieve dominance over the TA? I mean, we we have you know, as long as higher for longer is going on, we have this heavily indebted system that you just railed about, right? That is chugging now along under rates that are dramatically higher than what they were just a year and a half ago, right? I mean, we were almost near 0% at the beginning, uh, Fed funds rate at the beginning of 2022. You know, now we're sitting here at 5.5 and a quarter, and who knows, maybe rates might go even a little higher from here. Don't know. Looks like we're maybe done, but we don't know for sure. Um, you know, do we get to the point where something breaks and that breakage starts driving the action?
0: Yeah, every single time. No, no, no question about that. Um, as I said at the outset, you know, we have a couple of factors now playing that may delay it all, right? Which is the locked-in mortgage rates, the corporate debt rollover maturities, and now positive wage growth and so forth. Um, but from my perspective, maintaining rates at this level. Uh, is incompatible with with the debt construct that we have. In fact, we're starting to see some signs of this already happening, mm-hmm. right? I.e. in the labor market. You know, again, here's one of those areas where you can believe what you want to believe. But, you know, clearly the jobs numbers are not as rosy as they've been, ma- been made out to be as we're consistently getting downside revisions and, and the structure of it all. Companies will get more cautious, uh, but they will also assess... In terms of what the consumer demand side still is, this is why this is a negotiation phase here with positive real wage growth. All of a sudden, right? um, I I can't say when this all breaks, but let's look at the past cycles, and you know, typically you get into trouble when the unemployment rate really kicks higher and the yield curve uninverts completely. Mm-hmm. The yield curve is still inverted. And speaking again of runway with markets, when you look at uh, the historicals of that, it's not until you have the full inversion, uh, that's when things start breaking. So that that process from the inversion, going back to the neutral, that phase is still a runway for markets to rally. And then that's when then the break comes and you see unemployment ticking up. What you also typically see is once the unemployment Rate has bottomed and it's starting to move up ever so slightly. That's typically when the Fed is done with its rate hikes. Okay. Okay. And and just and just that's to note, kind of a- we we did just jump from three and a half to three
1: point eight percent in a single month, right, on the unemployment rate.
0: Right, and I think this is something we got to watch very closely because you know this, do we still have another rate hike this year or not? I. I if if that thing starts ticking up into you remember the fed actually originally forecasts the 4.1 4.2 percent for the end of the year uh, i have no history looking at at the fed funds chart vis-a-vis unemployment where they are hiking rates with the unemployment ticking up you know un, unless they want to do something different this time um, that's don't forget the the dual mandate which is full employment so if this starts taking up, that's typically a signal to say okay, they're done. And then if once they're done, then you have the discussion of the runway. The and again, 2006, 2008, it was almost two years, right? Uh, in 2000, it was a, a bit less than that. Obviously, it was a few months. So that's then the the phase we have to negotiate through. Markets will always, you know, it's like kids on the playground. You know, they will push the time for as long as they possibly can. Right. Right bedtime. Yeah, and 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 because you do have considerations of positioning and making the quarter, making the year, and you're gonna mark up the winners, dump the losers, da 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 da. And and that's why I'm saying, you know, keep an eye on that seasonality chart because you know, as long as it tracks, it tracks, right? And when if there is a runway into next year, why wouldn't they take it if if they can, not especially if the dollar rolls over and yields roll over. Now, these are also the two risk factors I've been talking about all year. You know,
1: yeah. we, and can we, we gotta, can we
0: talk uh, about yields? Because I I I, sure. I you specifically said
1: recently that we may be seeing a reversal set up and process with TLT, and I, and there's been a lot of questions on this channel recently about are yields going to come down, or all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of headlines that oh my gosh, everyone's getting worried they're going to keep going up forever now. So, what are your thoughts on
0: yields? Well, the TLT chart I posted was you know classic technical. I mean. It, Forget the fundamentals. Uh, I, I, did, I didn't bring it with you, but it's it's on my Twitter feed. it Basically, showed a new low, filled the November gap, and the new low was in a positive divergence tightening channel, and basically said it would pop up, and it did. It popped up nicely. yields reversed. Now it's it's dropping again, uh, and you can argue that's maybe a classic back test. So the pattern needs to defend it, itself. The, the odds are at least structurally, from a technical perspective, that TNX, which is the 10-year, may be in process of putting some sort of double top in, okay? If that happens, you know, you have that possibility that you get relief that yields are coming down, that's bullish equities, until that relief turns into sheer terror (laughs) <laughs> because at some point when yield yields drop really hard, that's then a recessionary sign, right? That goes then in conjunction with the yield curve fully inverted, uh reinverted and, and and so forth, and unemployment ticking up. So these these are all the pieces of the puzzle, you know. We live in the world of instant gratification and instant movie flipping, you know, you want things to happen right away. This is a this is a slow beast, you know. And you know, I, I I thought I was kind of you know, fair enough for Jay. I, I criticize him in, enough, but his recent comment about, you know, navigating by the stars under cloudy skies is is actually spot on. They don't know. They're they, everybody is guessing on this, and anyone that pretends to have the answer, they 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 seem to have access to knowledge maybe that no one has, or they're just pretending. Right. We, we cannot know. No one can know with any precision. You know. Can you know again like geopolitical events? You can't predict them. You know anything could happen. Da 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 da. Uh, but you know, so there's always risk that something breaks on 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 that front. But it's not something you you can predict with any type of precision. So these are slow moving pieces. I think the cycle has some unique aspects to it because of the previous regime of low rates. Uh, so we got to be cognizant of that. We have motivations, we've got seasonalities, we got technicals. So there's, there's all kinds of cases to be made that things could turn out still aggressively bullish before something breaks. But breaks. I, I can't tell you, you know, when this would happen, you know. Yeah, I'm, but, so I'm, I'm basically of the view by the dip here, if we get a nice correction still in September, October, into 4100 100 40, it's probably setting up as a buy obviously we'll always have to gauge and judge the uh technicals as they evolve this July correction excuse me this August correction just set up for a really nice buy because of the the dramatic uh level of oversold signals into key support because it did 23.6 fit it was perfect as, as well so in in that sense you know, like with the VIX hitting the trend line and S&P hitting to 23.6, Feb. BPSBX getting to 13 on the RSI. It's just a lot of confluence factor that suggested bounce. And if the seasonality chart continues to track, I guess we'll see maybe another rally into mid-September. Which, by the way, next week is also the Apple iPhone event, right? Mm-hmm. And then seasonally things get shaky, so we'll have to gauge and, and see how that that evolves. Okay.
1: Uh, Let me try to summarize sort of what I'm taking away from your outlook, and you correct me if I'm misstating here. I think you're saying, look, respect the bullish trends that are in place and the way the tape has been playing out. So you generally expect the markets to probably more likely do continue running while the Fed continues its higher for longer campaign. At some point, that's going to break something but but probably not tomorrow. And, and we could have more market running ahead of us than bears expect right now. And that's the big warning flag I see you raising. Then, then Then something will break, right? That'll then throw the economy into recession. That will then start sending stocks downwards. The Federal Reserve has a lot of ammunition to deploy here. It's got a lot of room to cut and all that stuff. And it likely will, you're saying, my guess is we'll see you know, a quarter or two of continued market uh, weakness because history generally shows that when the Fed starts cutting, the market usually does have a couple of quarters of, of worse performance after that. Um, but then the, the stimulus will kick is in. all you get. Yeah, you, you'll get that narrow window, right? Couple quarters, all you get. And then the stimulus will really kick in and then the markets will be off to the races again. Now, what timeline that trajectory plays out over, still TBD, we're gonna need you kind of calling audibles as you see things. But that general arc I just called out there is that your sort of default
0: probability right now? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can't predict the future. I can just look at the history and, and basically what I see in front, right in front of me. My, you know, unless this is turning out to a two, 2007 event where the August low just ripped straight to new highs without any corrective activity whatsoever, or 2014. Uh, then I would I would say VIX is really low right now, so we should probably expect some sort of volatility testing uh, in, let's say, from past September OPEX into early October, mid-October. Just call it roughly a four-week window where things could get shaky. Um Based on all these presidential pre-election years and history, it's all suggested that, it, and based on seasonality, uh, it's all going to end up being bought. Especially in the context that we just had these really oversold readings, because I think if we do make new lows or retest the lows, uh, all these signals will suddenly sh- start showing really positive divergences. I, it, it, and, and I'm sorry, the markets still react to, to technicals. Uh, so unless the VIX crosses that bare bull line that I mentioned and stays above it, uh, I think that script has a high probability to play out. You know, of course, when we do get a September-October correction, it won't feel like that, right? Because then the world's coming to an end again. Everybody's getting scared and this, that, and the other. But I, I can just I can just see that playing out in the, the market. Or better or worse, I mean it's just been playing that script. So as long as it sticks on the script, I have no, no reason to to doubt it at this point. If it if it veers off, then yeah, then I'm gonna have to question myself again, in in our approach. But again, the the windows for bears to act in are very very short, and uh, the liquidity keeps flowing in terms of deficits, in terms of PTFP, nothing of the sort has changed. So show me that something that breaks like chunk.
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: All right. I've got two last questions for you before we wrap this up. And by the way, Sven, thanks so much for going so long here and, and just delivering so much during this conversation. It's been fantastic. Um, so I just got to ask, uh, because people follow you and subscribe to your service because they're trying to make more informed investing decisions. Um Obviously, I'm guessing at least in the near term um you've got a long bias in general for all the reasons you just mentioned um are there any particular asset classes right now that you think look particularly attractive and are there any that you think look particularly toxic right now given the latest land
0: Yeah so I mean we're we're index traders right I mean we we look at just index charts and we're trying to be opportunistic basically in our in our approach it, has actually evolved a little bit over the last couple of years. Uh, in that you know, there, there was a time when I was just hyper bearish and want to be shorting everything, and you know, I got a gray hairs to show with that. Uh, over time, we've become really practical in the sense that you know, if we are shorts, we also have longs on because stupid rallies can get even stupider, right? Yep. So, you have you to have you your head yeah. just summer. The summer we, we wanted to uh, take a crack at just the madness going on in the NASDAQ and, and the S&P, but we're also cognizant of the trend. So every week, you know, Russell Long, Dow Long, Russell Long, Dow Long, every five email reconnect. It just worked a charm. Even uh, if we hadn't done that, it would have been just absolute misery uh in, in markets but again you, know, you, you you learn that these rallies can just last for a really long time and you got to be really patient for for the setup and then when there is a short opportunity take it but then also be ready to pack up your back so ba- basically my general approach on all this is now there are times when we want to be really convicted long and keep a swing long on until things get stupid again in the meantime have tactical long scale out of those on the RIPs, and then re-enter on on dips I mean it's this it's just a risk allocation process uh and it's it's working quite well I mean this again from an index perspective and we're mostly Nasdaq or we the S&P or or the Russell those are kind of the three main indices and we like doing the three of them because they also react differently to to the economy right the, the russell is more sensitive so if if it's if there is to be a break then we would actually want to see it in the russell it hasn't broken either it's just been chopping in a range for a year and a half now uh and of course you know when when you have, have hot flyers like the nasdaq you know you you get really instant returns on that basis but selling very difficult you know it's yeah. it's, it's 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 an arduous process I would think ultimately yields are going to be much lower. I guess that's why people are bullish TLT. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to still be cognizant of inflation data coming back in. I mean, you see oil ripping higher again. That's yep. that's a concern. Um, base you, effects you, are
1: driving it up right now, anyways. I mean, it's the so there's the, a lot in the mix. The
0: base effects, but then you know, look at Tesla. Oh my God! Uh, I, I had, a, had a little fun with a little tweet on that. This weekend, uh, because Tesla had been cutting prices on their cars just absolutely dramatically. Right. Uh, the Model X was 120 grand at the at the beginning of the year. Now it's down to just below 80. I mean, talk about this inflation being all around us as as well. And it's not only cars, right? We see that now with um, diamonds. Right? Yeah.
1: By the way, some cars. Having just some bought cars. a used car, bananas. the used car market is still bananas. But yeah,
0: <laughs> well, and, and and some of these cars coming out by, by other makers, you know, basic SUVs, they want 150 grand for them. I think are you mad. <laughs> you know, this mad pricing out there, uh, not not mass consumer market at, at all. But you know, it's 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 unclear still. We have to see those data points. But long term yields are gonna come lower again. Whether they're gonna find a higher equilibrium than before, I guess, depends on the severity of any recession that's coming. To the extent there is no severe recession, we may just find ourselves in a spot that the Fed is currently denying, which is adjusting their inflation target. Okay. Um,
1: Wow, there's still so many questions, but we're gonna have to leave them for next time. My last big question for you, though, um, which your cost of living observation there, sort of speaks to the heart of, you and I, I think we, you know, over the years have bonded over our concerns for the long-term integrity of the system. Uh, I think I mentioned this uh, 10 minutes ago or so when you were talking Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, You said the only way for this thing to really keep perpetuating is just to be keep issuing more and more debt, right? And 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 that has an end date on it, right? You can only do that so long before the whole system implodes, and I think on the way there, you know, doing that, it, it, the way the system is set up, uh, you increasingly reward those who own financial assets and uh, who have first access to, you know all the free money because basically the way a fiat, mar- fiat monetary system works is that money is, is invented, uh, into in thin air through debt issuance. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we continue to get this vast and, or, or aggressive and accelerating wealth gap that that's just been increasingly visible in, in the, uh, in society. And then, you know, going through what's just happened here, right. Where in COVID, um, All the intervention that came into play shot financial assets to the moon, which really benefited the wealthy. Right. But it also woke up the inflation beast and cost of living has gone to the moon. And that's really disproportionately hurt everybody not in the top 10 percent, top 1 percent, however we want to slice it. Right. So, you know, we get to a point where it might not be a financial breakage or an economic breakage uh, that that matters. It becomes a social breakage, a social crisis. I, I put a video out a few weeks ago when that song "Rich North of Richmond" came out. I don't know if that phenomenon has caught fire on your side of the pond, um, but it, it seems like the the working class and the dispossessed middle classes—they're they're beginning to find their voice. They're beginning to, you know, really stand up and push back. Um, I had Neil Howe on, who's the demographer, who talked about the fourth turning, and you know, we're we're in the thick of one right now by his calculations. And that's when you expect to sort of see this unraveling of the status quo. So I guess, I guess where I'm going with this is like, what are your latest thoughts on this? I, I know you have a lot of passion around this. I, is there a way where we realistically can engineer a more equitable future from here? Or, or is this thing just going to have to crash and burn first, um, concomitant with enough of the masses rising up and just demanding real reform from their elected leaders?
0: Well, first of all, we bonded over axe throwing and wood chopping, just so everyone is clear on that. We did, and just just to be clear,
1: when when Sven and I get together uh, in the real world, <laughs> I'm bringing my axe, and uh, and hopefully you'll bring yours. We'll do some chopping not, and some Not throwing. fair,
0: but next time I'll bring my axe. And we'll okay. Me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, y- yes, you're absolutely correct. It's it's been an issue close to my heart for a long time. I, it's. It, the i see it in london i see it in edinburgh you know where, where i just was at uh, the 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 general level of poverty amidst the absolute wealth it's embarrassing um to to our first world as we like to to call it i mean i you know, I see the occasional clips on on what's going on with homelessness in in America. Um, yeah, the the political divisions, frankly, terrify me for the health of society. I mean, I you know, I've I've muted most of the outrage accounts I can on on Twitter because I just want to be focused on on markets. But I know it's 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 out there, and it's political extremism finds a fertile ground when there is underlying social economic stress and discontent and bad actors have been able to take advantage of this many times in the past with often disastrous consequences Uh, i hate to see it you know and i like internet was always the promise. Hey, everybody has access to better information now. It's become just a brilliant source of misinformation and and hate and this that and the other. But the only reason that works is because, in my view, so many people are left behind. The middle class has been shrinking decade after decade, uh, and there is no there is there there is no leadership cohesive leadership, I hate to say, in any of the countries in the Western Mm -hmm. world. Um, And and I think it's really hard too uh, because let's say you get an adult at the table in any given country. Uh, Let's say you get a really smart guy, woman, with vision, with experience, with a heart to want to do the right thing. I submit to you, in today's political fractured world, it's almost impossible because they're going to get torn down. They're going to get misinformation thrown on their head, left, right, and center. And I, I hate to say it, people believe crazy shit. They do. And 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 the reason for that is because ideology because you know you ultimately want to seek someone to blame uh and and that works and especially people are out there shouting and these guys are to blame these guys are to blame uh, to to solve the problems that you have outlined you need a cohesive approach i, I and the problem is i don't know what the solution is because the solution may be just be pain but no one then that makes it worse, too. I mean, look for example, if you're looking for you know, a big blow up in the system, who's going to get hurt the most? The pe- the people that are already left out, absolutely, and and, and left behind. So if you if, you, if you're kind of wishing for a crush, you know, with ten percent unemployment, ugh, guess who's going to be unemployed? Right. You know. It, it's the people that are already hurting the worst. This is what frustrates me the most about this situation. Um, and yeah, the system, for better, lack of a better word, is completely rigged for the asset owners because that's what's driving everything. If if companies are doing well and their shareholders do well, they're going to hire. And if they don't do well, they're going to lay people off. But they still have, will have made the dividends and they will have made the compensation on, on the way up right it's just it's kind of an unfortunate misallocation of of resources and capital right. you know i was hoping that maybe technology would help in a lot of this but now this may turn out to be a threat as well uh as you know ai is still nascent um uh, but guess whose jobs are going to be replaced the ones that most easily can be it's it's right. It's, it's right well, just we, to look we, at the basic look at the basic things shopping these days. I mean, the, the cashier's on the way out, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's all self checkout.
1: It's all self checkout, and eventually it'll be retinal scan on the way out. You won't even have to put your stuff in there.
0: Yeah, I, I ain't doing yeah. that. <laughs>
1: yeah. but, but and I've talked you know, I talked about this pre AI, you know this latest pre AI wave, um, where you know back during the Zerp days. We have I assume it's the same out in the UK where you are, but and we, we've just made it so expensive to employ humans out here. The cost of employing a human keeps going up that we've given such a perverse malincentive to employers to automate and offshore and invest in you know net AI and whatnot right so that they can you know basically get by with leaner and leaner workforces. And those jobs aren't ever coming back. You know, w- once you automate, uh, you 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 don't unautomate, right? So we're we're really eroding the 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 first number, you know, the the, the bottom bunch of rungs on the ladder of skill development, right? So um, that's going to create long term issues. And then AI, you know, it's not just going to be the lower people; it's going to continue to creep up the co- the the the, the white collar screen. And look, the folks probably aren't going to shed a lot of tears for those folks, um, and maybe deservedly so. Uh, but to your point, it, it, it's going to disproportionately hurt the bottom of the pyramid from the workforce.
0: Yeah, and you know this game can continue as long as there's not a political break. Uh, but you know we we all we all grew up in I would say relatively sanguine times politically speaking, uh, and that has been a good thing for us, obviously, but you, know, you, you, you would think, you, you cannot risk a societal breakdown. You, you, you simply can't, we've seen that too many times.
1: You, you right? simply can't, but I guess this is my question to you in this whole thing, which is, even though we can't, are we on a trajectory towards one?
0: Well, that's why I'm saying they're gonna have to keep the money flowing to prevent that from happening. That they have no choice. They're
1: trapped. We're all trapped. We're, we're, all... we're trapped, but we're tra- they, they can only do that for a certain period of time, though, right? You know, you can you can I only issue I mean, so look, much look stimulus. Japan. And...
0: Japan has been printing non-stop, even during the inflation hiccup. Hey it still works. You know, I, w- I would think it would break, but you know, if if ultimately you can ease off all the pressures by going to the zero rates again. You you can continue this process, can you not? It's it's only when you're trapped and you can't reduce rates, and then the lag effects really take hold. That right. that you then risk that you have a major calamity happening in markets. You know, yeah, I'm a staunch
1: effect the that there's no you know there's no free lunch. Look, if you could if you could print yourself to prosperity, we'd all still be speaking Latin, right? You know the the Romans would have figured this out. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, you know, Rome is, is always a fascinating analogy. I mean, I, I was in Pompeii in July, which was just fabulous. I'm, I'm I saw happy. your photos; they're amazing. Yeah, it's it's you know, like, we 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 all have a limited lifespan. We have a limited perspective. Uh, what I found fascinating Pompeii specifically is that's really the only place in the world. You know, you can you can go to Rome or Athens or other big historical places, and you can see the the remnants of the magnificent structures, but Pepe is was so fascinating because you get a real sense, a real sense, and how the population really lived uh, and how these towns were organized and structures. And yes, there was wealth inequality, there was poverty, there were rich people with mansions, you know, it's the kind of kind of what you're seeing today. But it was a functioning society. And what they were able to do without technology just impresses the hell out of me. And now that, that town was around for hundreds of years before everything blew up. But the, the point is, you know, Rome at its peak, no one, I would venture to guess, in its prime leadership, would have thought it would crumble to absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, unfathomable uh because they were so sort advanced, of you know, and I'm I'm roaming around here in England and I see still Roman forts and buildings and structures and roads. Uh you know th- these were impressive people. I mean they got around and Hadrian's wall, right? I mean they Jesus, you know, that they built up massive structures all over the place, you know, and yet it all came apart. And it came apart because largely the same issues, which is debt social strife, lack of growth, and then ultimately the barbarians came in, right? They they couldn't hold the empire together, and corruption at the highest level, right? Because that's ultimately what happened as well, and they split the empire, and at the end of the day, the the economic structure couldn't be maintained, and then it it tilted into societal uh disintegration and then you didn't have the leadership to to address the issues because the leadership was corrupt as well and before you know it was all over um you know, i don't want that to happen you know and I, what i see sociologically right now in the us in particular is is, is disturbing i mean I, I you know i'm i'm far removed i'm sitting in in the uk uh but i'm looking at the political headlines uh every other day and and i i go really is is, this is where we are now i mean this this was unthinkable 30 40 years ago you know this is this is devolving into a really bad show and it's it's not good you know when i grew up the united states was you know just universally, I wouldn't say universally admired, but it was, it was just basically just a shining star, you know, innovation and progress and forward moving technology, cultural, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I hate to say it, guys, you talk to a lot of people in Europe these days and they're shaking their heads Mm -hmm. big time. And, and they're, you know, what's the old saying, if America catches a cold or, or sneezes, the world catches a cold, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want social chaos. You know, I, 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 just don't. But it could well be heading that way. And and what if they split? You know, I mean, if you have a society that can't see eye to eye on very basic things, you know, that that's where you ultimately risk that that union breaks in one way or another. Um,
1: All right. I hate to end it on this dark point, but, but you've confirmed and validated for me, Sven, that this is still something that occupies, you know, the forefront of your mind and it's still a big worry of yours. Uh, So we'll keep ringing this bell here on this channel about, you know, about these issues, um, because they affect everyone in the end. Um, All right. Well, Sven, look, phenomenal discussion. Thank you for giving so much your time. We're almost at the two hour mark. Uh, Thank you. Um, Oh, my God. I know. Believe it. That's a sign of a great interview, though, is when you just don't notice the time passing. Um, For folks that have really enjoyed this discussion and for the the perhaps very few that were unfamiliar before this video, where should folks go to follow
0: you in your work? Well, on on X, as it is called now, it's at Northman Trader. Uh, The website is northmantrader.com. Um, I have also a YouTube channel at North Trader, where I put out Northcasts. Uh, we have a subscription service where we basically navigate uh, through this market strategy on a daily basis. So we have the daily market brief, where I kind of outline them, the major strategic talking points. And we have live alerts where we do the tactical execution. And then market videos where updates, the technicals um, every week or so. In terms of the larger picture, and so we will keep an eye on everything. I, as I outline right now, I think there is a chance for a year-end rally if something breaks. I'm willing to change my mind. Obviously, we got to be practical in how we're noodling through this. Um, but you know, there's this runway discussion here. I think it's going to be with us for probably the next few months, uh, and and see how this all evolves. For now I, I just finished on this note: the July correction fit fit with seasonalities. The August bottom fit with technical signals, also with seasonality. So the market's still playing a very familiar script so far. And and, um, we'll we'll have to see how much further advantage we can take of the script running. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions.
1: That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right. Um, Sven, it's been wonderful. Thank you for giving us so much time, my friend. I look forward to having you back on the channel again soon, especially if you start seeing anything in the T.A., that makes you want to edit, you know, the the whole arc of what we've talked about today. But again, can't thank you enough, brother.
0: Thanks, Adam. It's great. And uh, I think I need a cold shower now because we're in this UK heat wave. No air conditioning here. So I'm sweating (laughs) it through. (laughs) Rough. All right. Good luck on that, buddy. Thanks, Adam. Take care. All right. Well,
1: now's the time on the channel where we bring in the lead partners from New Harbor Financial, one of the endorsed financial advisory partners by Wealthion to react to this very lengthy, in-depth uh, interview with Sven. And if we've got time, which we don't have that much this week because Sven went so long, almost two hours worth, uh, give us any update on what they see going on in the markets since last week. Um, gentlemen, great to see you. Uh, John
2: Loder, why don't we start with you? Okay. Hello again, Adam, and hello, everybody. Uh, yes, very long uh, and chock full of information Um uh, talk you had with Sven, I, I candidly didn't get through all of it. I uh, had it on uh, two times speed just to make most productive use of my commute, but uh, got got the salient points. I think um, so, so. So, I think in a nutshell, um, at least what I heard of, of Sven's talk is is um, uh, basically. And we've had a long, and we've talked about it. And you've talked with many many guests from from a fundamental perspective, valuations, all all the things we might call fundamental analysis. We are in very, very rare territory, broadly speaking, uh, U.S. stock market. And especially if you get down to some individual stock level, some of the MAG-7 stocks just absurdly overvalued, uh, we, we will have no bashful hesitancy in, in, in saying. Um, yeah, on the other side of the equation, you have technical indicators, technical analysis indicators that um, have in the near term here uh, um, regained some health and, and – uh, uh, in a vacuum point to the possibility likelihood you might even say uh for uh a, a move higher here despite the very treacherous uh fundamental allocations and um just to kind of full disclosure we we here at New Harbor we we uh uh do work in both fundamental and technical disciplines and um you know, we think one of the key um, roles of, that we need to play for our clients in, in a fiduciary capacity is, um, you know, basically discerning and judging when to give greater or lesser weight and in what weights uh, to fundamental and technical factors. Um, basically, and maybe this is a little bit review, but fundamental analysis for those that are are not initiated is basically studying from the bottom up, typically, um, you know, based on earnings, you um, you know sales revenues and and valuations as multiples of those uh, what the fair value or the proper level of a stock or a market in general is. technical analysis, again, just this this is real simple, but uh, for those that may be not familiar with it, essentially saying, well, the market collectively knows all that stuff, all that information's out there and the price is the sum total of what all the market participants out there. Uh, surmise the information to mean in terms of where markets are. And it kind of basically assumes a an efficient market that is all-knowing. Um, and we'll be the first as practitioners of technical analysis say, well, that's a bunch of BS because <laughs> markets are not efficient uh, in, in or rational anyways. They may be efficient, uh, but they're not rational at all times. And Uh, there are times where technical analysis becomes um, self-fulfilling. In in other words, herd, herd, herd mentality. And um, we as fiduciaries have to kind of judge the weight to to put in either camp. So um, our our DNA does um, compel us to be mindful of the possibility of moves higher. And in fact, we've made some tactical adjustments to our client portfolios just in the last couple of days to, to be respectful of that, to give, uh, more upside and and be slightly uh, uh, more bullish in a measured measured way, um, but uh, when you get the backdrop from a fundamental standpoint, we think it it, it comes down to position sizes. Uh, in other words, technical signals that that may say, "Hey, uh, path of least resistance in the near term here are, is likely to go higher." We think um, when you have a backdrop fundamentally like we do now. Um, It'd be irresponsible to say, for example, uh, put a dr- uh, dramatic weighting in the in the entirety of a client's portfolio uh, in 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 kind of um, adherence to those technical sig- signals. So, it's uh, technical signals can be followed, but uh, in an appropriately sized smaller weighting uh, that may be different. If we were at much lower fundamental valuations, we would be more inclined and with good reason. To give the technical factors that much uh, greater weight, so we're having to constantly uh, bridge those ba- uh, th- those those balances and those judgments. Um, but we we agree with Sven's broad takeaway that uh, despite the fundamental um, concerning picture that we can very com- uh, very easily uh, paint, um, the near term we we think that the probability is that certainly things can go higher, uh, and probabilities are just that they're not guarantees. There's, Probabilities of up and down. Um, the weight of evidence from a short-term technical standpoint uh, suggests that there is likely some upward pressure here. Maybe um, challenging the the highs from uh, end of July this year, maybe even gunning towards the the highs in the in the intermediate term uh, that we we saw last in uh, January of twenty two. Just broad picture. I just wanted to kind of paint some some broad considerations there for for viewers, and, and so we can kind of get into to more details.
1: Okay. Um as you guys know i I like myself a good analogy and i've been trying to think of the right one to apply here this may be stretching too much but you know technical analysis uh you gave a good definition of it john but it's largely looking at um historical patterns in the market and basically saying oh well when we've seen this in the past this is likely to happen next right and as i talked about with Sven, hey no doubt you know narrative and technical analysis have been what has been driving the market this year. Uh and T- Sven even put up that seasonality chart, which isn't really even classic technical analysis, and said, gosh, that, that's just the script the markets have been playing by this year. And maybe we're all just overthinking it and we should just continue to, you know, expect the market to follow that seasonality until it breaks that correlation. Um, but essentially it's just looking at at old data, right? And in the the big question that I have is, um, you know, as an investor, you have to ask yourself: Okay, uh, technical analysis is all that's mattered this year, um, but you know, macro fundamental analysis really hasn't mattered at all. Um, but but that can't sustain forever. You have periods of time where technical analysis is really in the driver's seat but then you have periods where the macro fundamentals really determine what's going on. And oftentimes it's a blending of both. And, uh, as an investor, you know, if you're putting your chips on one horse, more or less, you, you, you've really got to ask yourself, okay, well, how long is this, is this horse going to be in the lead in this race? Right. And what am I going to do? You know, when it doesn't look like it is that way anymore. And one of the things that the, the sort of the analogy that's coming to mind with technical analysis is you could say, okay, here's a river. And every time everyone's crossed this river in this month in the past, uh, they've made it across safely. So we should think that you know the same seasonality or time frame or setup in the markets or whatever, we should be able to swim across this river fine because that's what history suggests. Now, what macro analysis would tell you is, yeah, but last week a family of crocodiles moved into this river, right? And you know, that's a macro change, right? And so if you're just going off historical data, there's a big risk factor that you're unaware of. And someone might jump in the river and swim across it today and make it across fine. That doesn't mean that everybody that swims across this river is gonna make it across fine. You know, maybe these crocodiles wake up or maybe they weren't hungry this morning when the first person swam across. And so that's what you sort of have to ask yourself when you're balancing technical and macro. Am I gonna? Am I just gonna rely on these patterns of the past Or am I going to look at the situation and try to divine what the situation calls for, given the reality that's unfolding on the ground? So maybe that's a murdered analogy. I don't know. You nodded and smiled a little bit, John. So maybe there's some truth to it. Um, Mike, let's come over to you here. Um, What's your reaction to all this?
3: Yeah, it isn't easy. We're living through a very unusual time period. Um, And so... Uh, you know, those that just blindly bought the market won in the last 10 years. Really, you didn't need to do much of anything, just buy the market, buy an index fund, so much so that active managers um, get ridiculed to some extent. And it's pretty obvious to just about everyone, if you read the news or talk to, talk to friends and neighbors and family, that the only thing you need to do is buy an index fund and get the lowest cost one and just never touch it. But the problem, as we see it, is that we're in a somewhat semi-permanent overvalued state, in the market, and this has been a time unlike any others. And um, I just like to share, I think, a chart in a minute here, and then just talk a little bit about the market, what we're seeing short term, and uh, and just explain why it's really hard to just say that you should use technical or fundamentals. I really believe we believe that fundamentals win in the long term, but in the short term, they've driven you they've, they've driven you insane. You know, short term fundamentals will drive you insane in this kind of market because it can stay overvalued for a very long time. So we're doing our best to react to what we're seeing, uh, to not take drawdowns when we get the big downside that we expect should be likely, although not, not guaranteed, and to bring our clients through that chasm, as it were. And so what we want to do is is to not have much down capture, and to start deploying money at much lower levels in the market and of course what's been frustrating about that is it hasn't happened but uh as we're talking here i'm just going to bring up a chart that um put out by our but our our good friend john Husman. you should be able to see that now mm-hmm. so he john just put out his monthly piece today uh we really like to read his monthly pieces every every month and he updates he updated this chart which i think is For me, one of the most powerful charts that he puts out. This shows the market, the S&P 500 over 100 years as the solid blue line. And then it shows the levels that would be consistent based on his model, which we think is a very good statistically reliable model that would need to be achieved to to either give a 5% return or a 0% return over 10-year treasury bonds. 10-year treasury bonds are essentially at around 4.2% right now. So if you're looking for a 5% premium over 10-year treasury bonds, that would be around 9.2% or so right now. You need to be trading just below 1,800 on the S&P. Oh my goodness. You know, so it's- Less than than half of where it is right now. That's right. And yeah, so we're up here at 4,500 or so. And a lot of people are talking like this is a brand new bull market. I don't think so. I don't think. I think what's what's happened here is just a a market that deviated in the '90s due to money printing and constant intervention that was never actually allowed to correct. Each time it tried to correct, we had you know new and more fancy responses. Another rabbit was pulled out of the hat. In 2002, we had interest rates very quickly cut down near zero, and that caused the housing bubble. Bubble in 2008, 2009 we had a a you know a repeal of mark to market accounting it was uh, fasb 157 i think on march 9th 2009 and that caused the biggest you know, blow off top bubble ever in 2020 we had the covid response around the world so you know if you look at this there's never been a time over the last 100 years where the market has traded so extremely so consistently above these normalized levels of valuation never it was a little bit of time between late fifties to, you know, nineteen, you know, mid to late seventies where it traded above that line, and there certainly have been a long period of time that it's traded under that line. What you want to do is buy the market when it's substantially below that line, and and frankly, you want it to stay there a long time during your working years so that you can dollar cost average in at fair valuations. What everyone's facing here in their what is now most people's adult lifetimes is a constant permanently high plateau that we are out there saying that we don't think will be permanent. But, you know, here it is many years later, you know, we're frustrated. Clients are frustrated. Everybody's frustrated because none of this makes sense. The fundamentals don't matter anymore, you know, until they do. So we are still very lightly exposed to the market we're making some changes we can discuss that in just a minute we've we've made because we too agree with Sven that this market can break higher have another blow off top but what the fundamentals say to us is that the results are going to be miserable from here forward whether it happens sooner or later so i will pause there and i'm happy to share some charts on the s p 500 if you want to talk about kind of our short-term moves
1: all right. Uh, let's get there in just one second real quick. Pull that chart up one more time.
3: All, All right. right. I'll bring it right back.
1: All right. So there are a couple of different data series that Hussman has plotted here based upon the risk premium that stocks have over bonds. Now, now stocks should offer a risk premium to bond uh, or a premium over bonds because they are riskier. That's why it's called a risk premium, right? Investors are saying, I want a higher return because I'm taking more risk by being in stocks than versus the relative safety of being in bonds. Um and so the the yellow dotted line there or orange dotted line um that is the most generous risk premium versus bonds, which is zero. It's basically mm-hmm. saying that the market is just valuing each evenly right mm-hmm. um and you'll see here that even even to to fit that generous comparison, the s and p would still have to fall by what like Forty something percent from where it is right now. Forty five percent from where yeah, it, it is Yeah, I would have to now. go down around
3: twenty seven hundred. So yeah, it's 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 pretty close to what you just said.
1: Yeah, but you'll notice in the data series here, which again goes back a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. There have only been a very few periods, which John has circled there in yellow, where the S and P has been above that very generous dotted orange line, right? And Mike, you're hovering your cursor over them right now. Those periods are not very long, usually measured in in you know a couple of years, generally. Um, we've been over it for the longest period of time now, if you look at those two top circles in the, the upper right, right next to each other. But you'll see every time it gets up above that dotted orange line, it does inevitably correct and either touch or drop through the, the lowest of those data series, the green line, right? Which mm-hmm. has the highest in this data series here, risk premium. So, you know, this is Hussman basically saying, look, if, if this data series correlations hold true, when this excessive period corrects, we could see the S&P down at or below that green line, which today would be below 1650. I mean, just, just a horrific correction in the market. So I just wanted to point out for folks here that you have to have a really good reason why, you know, quote unquote, it's different this time, to feel confident that that this data series is that the S and P is not going to mean adjust versus this data series.
3: Yeah, and if the if the January fourth, two thousand and twenty two top was the top in the S and P at forty eight hundred and change, and we think it probably was, but. We don't know for sure. If it was and we fell down to that green line, that would be about a two-thirds loss in the S&P, which would actually not even bring us to undervalued levels. So that's what—that's why the stakes are high here. There's financial games that are going on that have been going on a long time. And there, there's no real plan B as far as we can see. You know, Just stimulate more and the world has to take our dollars because of the world's reserve currency. At least they have to so far. We don't really seem to have a plan B. So, you know, at this point, we don't know how this unfolds. Uh, but we have to be prepared for a very steep and long bear market. Not another V-shaped recovery. Every previous dip has been a V-shaped recovery because of immediate intervention. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't be surprised to see an L-shaped move at some point here when this really gets going. You go down and stay there for a bunch of years. And the big key there is going to be to avoid the downside and have tools in place like option selling and such that can not only hedge your entries but give you income while you're waiting out that you know that that l-shaped move or the bottom part of that l okay. mike and
2: Adam, I'm, before i get off this chart mike i just want to point out what maybe is obvious to, to viewers here but uh the uh each of those periods that were highlighted in the yellow circles the consequence of those extremes uh, again as adam pointed out is a is a pullback back usually slicing through those those other threshold lines but the consequence in terms of return is that most of the speculative advance in the stock market that led up to those and 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 sustained those those yellow circle periods end up given be, being given back in a very quick manner Uh, And and Sven talked about how the bear markets, uh, especially the the pullbacks of the last few years, have been very narrow. Well, that's traditionally the very case. But what happens in those kind of pullbacks is many years, if not decades, are given back. And and you can see how John Hussman has annotated the chart here. You look at, uh, for example, the S&P return has lagged lagged treasury bonds in, you know, extended periods after each of those crescendos, Um, you know, 1929 to 1950, that's 21 years, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, 68 to 87, that's 19 years. Uh, uh, 22 years from 98 to 20. And then you have uh, 13 years from 07 to 20. So you're know, playing for marbles in the very late stage of, of, a, of a speculative advance. advances, all well and good, so long as you don't uh, overly risk capital but also be appreciative of that that can be given back really quick. So downside risk management is critically important. And as much as we want to think the exit technical factors are just as clear as they seem to be in hindsight uh, on the upside as, as the exit, they're not. And even, you know, time tested technical systems end up giving back a lot of uh, of gains in in these kinds of episodes.
1: Well said, John. All right, Mike, um, let's, uh, Let's stop the sharing here and let you get to uh, very quickly talking about uh, what's going on with the S and P right now. Uh, we just pressed for time because, again, spend went so long. Uh, we we don't have nearly as much time as we normally do this week. I'll give you extra time next week.
3: Okay. Well, I'll try to I'll try to keep it very short. Uh, I'm just going to bring up the S and P chart as we wrap up. So here's the S and P 500. This is on a on a weekly basis let's start with month this is just a simple chart uh, within the 50 period and 200 period moving average so here's the s p you know it came back to a 50 week um sorry 50 month moving average and it's been straight vertical since october we have been thinking that this is a bear market rally and that this is just a partial retracement that is going to roll over and and resume the bear market but the retracement's getting deep right it's getting very deep and this is this actually exceeded the 78% uh fibonacci line which is actually the last fibonacci line so it it went past that just by a little bit now it's back under it but our short term indicators have been improving and that's causing us you know some some concern that there could be another type of blow off top if we go to the weekly chart we have a One-year consolidation, a giant cup, and it actually seems to be putting in a handle-type formation. So, you know, valuations are obscene. It's still a narrow market, which means that breadth and participation is not good. But short-term indicators are starting to reverse up. And if we were, this is the weekly chart, remember, if we were to put in, I don't know, next week or the week after, another big up week, then we could easily see another blow off top because it would be a classic cup and handle formation. It's really shocking to us that all of this is happening with in one year treasury bills up near five and a half percent. Now there is an alternative, but nobody seems to care. You know, if we go to a daily chart, we'll see here that on Friday we had this big up move. It was big up move, and and um, you know, the internals of the market were better these last couple days. Uh, is a pullback and so what happens next in the next few days is going to be pretty critical if we fell through and undercut this low i think we would we would start a very steep decline but if we go sideways for a couple days and then up it's going to be an issue particularly because our internals have improved uh, or or our our short-term indicators i should say not necessarily our internals have improved so it may sound like i'm saying both things but or trying to have it both ways, up and down, our bias is very largely to the downside. But because of the short-term improvement in our indicators, because of the chart formation, we have made a couple changes, actually just yesterday. Uh, we closed out our short hedges and replaced them with, uh, with, with puts that expire out in the end of December. So what that really does is it gives us the same downside hedge or very similar downside hedge Uh, but gives us an upside kind of stop gap. In other words, if we get this melt up, that could happen. Um, We only have a little bit of money on the table for the puts. The puts give you a very good way to know exactly what you're risking before you enter the trade and yet still give you crash protection. So we did make that change that did free up some cash in the portfolio that we'll be able to use uh, probably just to park in T bills and and earn some good short term interest rates, um, you know, at present. But so I wanted to say that yeah, we agree with Sven. The backdrop from a macro sense looks terrible. Short ter- shorter term, technically things are improving, and we don't like it either. Um, but we have taken some measures to, um, you know, to to reduce our risk, and also we've got some cash to take advantage of any opportunities that might arrive short-term on the long side as well.
1: All right. Well, well said, Mike. Uh, So, you know, in a nutshell, confounding flummoxing time, even for their professionals, Uh, you've got Sven scratching his head saying, I don't like it, but I see all these reasons the market could go higher from here. You're using the new Harbor team saying, you know, uh, we're in a similar boat and, you know, we're taking some precautions in case things go higher from here. But of course, you know, your your thesis and, and bias is that this market's going to correct at some point as the fundamentals begin to matter. Again, the big question obviously is when, and nobody knows for sure. Um, so all right, folks, and wrapping this up, um, this whole topic of these cross currents and this uncertainty and what to do about it is what the wealthy on fall conference on October, uh, 21st, uh, which is a Saturday, it's coming up in a little over a month. It's exactly what our, uh, our, our dream team of faculty that we've assembled for that event is going to be focused on and, and discussing. Uh, I, I won't rattle off uh, all the great folks we have lined up for that just because we're short on time, but to find out more about the event as the event as well as register for it and lock in the early bird discount price of nearly 30%. Uh, and if you are an alumnus, check your email, you should have a code from me that will give you an additional 15% discount on top of that 30%. Just go to on dot com slash conference. All the details are there and you can lock in those uh, lowest discounts while they still last. Um, but in just sort of understanding what all this means for you and, and making it real for you and your wealth in your own portfolio, highly recommend as we do every week on this channel that most viewers here work under the guidance of a good professional financial advisor and one that takes into account all of the issues that uh, Sven and I talked about and that John and Mike have hammered on here as well. If you've got a good one who's doing that for you, great, stick with them. They are really, really rare. Um, But if you don't have one, or if you'd like a second opinion from one who does, maybe even John and Mike and their team there at New Harbor Financial, then consider scheduling a free consultation with one of the financial advisory firms that Wealthion endorses. To do that, just fill out the short form at Wealthion.com. Only takes you a few seconds. The consultation that you'll get totally free there's no commitment involved uh you don't have to work with these guys at all it's just a public service they offer to help as many people position as prudently as possible in advance of you know the the reckoning that both Sven and the guys from new harbor think is due at some point in the story here we just don't know exactly when that's going to be um all right folks and if you enjoyed the conversation with Sven, we'd like to see him come back on this channel again soon Please vote your support for that by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. John and Mike, guys, thanks for another great week. Uh, John, I'll let you guide us out here. Any parting bits of advice for folks?
2: No, I think uh, we covered a lot of ground here. I'm just going to keep it short and brief and say thank you, and uh, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, I think folks have had a long uh, sit at the computer here, so we will give them an easy out here, and we'll we'll wrap it up here without too much uh, further, further comment.
1: All right, gents. All right. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. Everyone else, thanks so much for watching. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to WealthyOn.com. These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth, and because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration, looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type, the kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, And when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we've put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the U.S.A., but for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right. With all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to wealthyon.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching.